The Secret Church Podcast is a resource from Radical.net. Go and make disciples of all nations, a clear command and monumental charge from Jesus. Yet, what if despite our best intentions and sincerest efforts as the church to obey Jesus, we're actually ignoring what He said? At best, what if we have misunderstood Him? And what if much of our efforts are unknowingly keeping millions upon millions of people around the world from eternal life? Further, what if much of our efforts are keeping you and me from experiencing God's purpose for our lives? Unlike any secret church we have ever done, Secret Church 21 is designed to be a groundbreaking journey through God's Word and around the world that leads to a tectonic shift in the way you view your life, your family, and God's design for the church. For your eyes will be open not only to a great imbalance that is affecting countless of people for eternity, but also to the bold opportunity you have to change it with your time on this earth. This is Secret Church 21, Episode 1. Welcome to Secret Church. It is so good to be together tonight from every state in the United States and far beyond the United States. Countries like Cambodia, Zambia, Peru, Indonesia, many, many others. One of the things I love most about Secret Church is this dynamic of being in all these thousands of different places, literally around the world, but all joined together, hearing from God's Word at the same time, praying to God as we have times in prayer together tonight for one voice to be representing thousands of people around the world with one heart. We, we do this remembering brothers and sisters around the world who gather together in secret in undisclosed locations at the risk of their lives. And part of the way we pray for them, identify with them, is by remembering them. It's what Hebrews 13 tells us to do. So it's so good to be together. And we knew that this year we weren't gonna be able to pack a room full of people in light of various restrictions still in place. So we decided just to lean in and go really different and involve some people in this night from a variety of places, sharing, praying from around the world. I, I really can't express in words how exhilarated I am about what lies ahead in the next few hours. So if you've been a part of Secret Church before, there's gonna be a few things different, which I hope will be helpful, including three main sessions instead of four. So if, if you've been a part of Secret Church and you're kind of seeing how long this first session goes, you think we're gonna have four of these, we'll only have three of these. Or if this is your first time, I'm particularly glad you're here. And I just wanna invite you to press in. It's gonna be unique, long, I pray good night that I and a lot of people have been praying will bring about a tectonic shift in the way we view our lives, our families, our churches, and the world around us. And I know talking about a tectonic shift sounds bold or dramatic, but I, I, don't, I don't say that because I have any confidence in any words I'm gonna say that come from me. I say it because I have total confidence in the power of God's word to bring about that kind of change in our minds 
in our hearts, our lives, families, churches. So hopefully you either have this book in hand or electronically that is filled with God's word that we're gonna hear tonight as we get at the same time a glimpse of the world, I hope, in a whole new way. So let's do this from the very beginning. I want us to start with God's word, with language straight from the mouth of Jesus. And I actually wanna invite us to speak God's word out loud together. Again, in all the places where we're gathered, just to speak this first passage at the top of those notes, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, known as the Great Commission. So if you're alone, if you're with a couple of other people, with a lot of different people, doesn't matter. So just the thought of God hearing us all saying his word out loud at the same time in all these places where we're gathered, I want us to read Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. Let's read it out loud together right now. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Oh God, teach us. Teach us right now by your spirit in all these places where we are gathered, how to obey this commission, this command that you've given to us. Open our eyes in fresh ways, I pray, in the next few minutes, few hours, in ways that do bring about any needed shift in our lives, in our thoughts, our desires, our actions, in our plans, and our dreams, in our families, in our churches. For your glory in the world, we pray. In total dependence upon your spirit, please lead us by your spirit tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Now you can just imagine hearing Jesus saying those words that we just read together and then watching him rise up. Like first, like it looks like he's levitating, but then he just keeps going all the way up before your eyes into heaven. Like it's no wonder these words were singed onto the hearts of those disciples. And I'm guessing these words are common to many of us, particularly those who may have been followers of Christ for any length of time. They're known Across the church is the Great Commission, but the central question I wanna ask tonight is, what if we, in our day, are actually missing the point of what Jesus said on that day? What if we're missing the essence of what he told us to do, or even worse, what if we unknowingly even with the best of motives and intentions, are actually working against what Jesus just said in our lives and families and churches in the world. So what do you mean? Well, that leads us into session one. So we're gonna unpack four truths over this first session that will then lead us to three problems that we must address in our day, our lives, our families, our churches, if we're gonna actually obey what Jesus said. 
And those three problems will lead us to two conclusions and one prayer for our lives and specifically for the rest of our time tonight. So you ready? All right, let's, let's go. Let's start in that, that booklet with four truths that are summarized in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20, but are all over the Bible from beginning to end. So here's truth number one. The ultimate purpose of God is to bring people from all nations to enjoy and exalt him in all of his glory. I, that sentence, every word there matters. I, I love just all that's represented in every single word here. So the ultimate purpose of God, that's a, it's a big statement. Like what is God about? Don't you wanna know the answer to that question? What is God about? God is about bringing people from all nations to enjoy and exalt him in all of his glory. So let's unpack what we're, what we're saying here. God creates all people in all nations in his image to enjoy and exalt him in all of his glory. So this is why God creates people. This is what God says. Acts chapter 17, verse 26. God made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the, all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God, perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. So God creates all people. He's the author of creation. Genesis chapter one, he breathes life into every creature. Genesis chapter two, verse seven. So you have breath right now because God is giving it to you. At this moment, God is the one sustaining your lungs and your heart. And he's not just doing that for you, wherever you're sitting. He's doing that right now for a world population of about 7.75 billion people. 7.75 billion. And right now, God is giving every single one of them breath. Isaiah 42.5 says, all people in all Nations. So from the beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 10, we see different people in different nations. Psalm 67 talks about nations and peoples. And Jesus uses that same word in what we just read together. Go and make disciples of all what? Of all nations. Now the word Jesus uses for nations there is ethne. It's a Greek word from which we get the word ethnic groups or sometimes called people groups. And this is so significant to realize from the start of tonight, because when God talks about nations in his word, he's not talking about geopolitical entities. Like we might think of nations or countries today, 200 or so nations, the United Nations. That's not the way Jesus and the Bible talk about nations. Instead, Jesus and the Bible are talking about ethnic groups or people groups, groups of people that share common language, cultural characteristics, which makes sense, right? Like many of us live in the United States, but there are multitudes of ethnicities in our one nation. I live in Metro DC. I have the pure joy of pastoring a church with multitudes of ethnicities in just our church family. And the same is true for other nations. So when the Bible says nations, don't think the United States or India or Japan and 200 or so countries. Instead, think over 17,000 distinct people groups in the world. So that's the best estimate that anthropological, biblical scholars give for distinct people groups in the world that could be included in the Bible's reference to nations. 
And the point here from the start is that God creates every person in every nation, every single ethnic people group in his image as a reflection of who he is. This is an awesome thought driven straight from Genesis chapter one, verse 26 through 28, that men and women from every nation, from every ethnicity, every people group, all together reflect the image of God. No one superior to the other, no one inferior to the other, all made in God's image. I think about Hajira in Afghanistan. So her people group is Pashtun. It's the largest people group in Afghanistan. She, her close-knit tribe live by a code of protecting one another's honor, showing generous hospitality. She works hard for her family day in and day out in a barren, mountainous region where they live. Or I think about Tahil in Somalia. He lives in the capital, Mogadishu, port city just north of the equator on the Indian Ocean. Many of the men he knows have left Somalia, but he stayed, convinced this is the best way he can care for his parents, his wife, his children. Or I think about Amir and Aliyah in Yemen. He's an older brother, younger sister. They still possess a childlike zeal for life, even though they live in the middle of the largest humanitarian crisis in the world right now, surrounded by war, conflict. They were born into, that's all they know with parents who are daily struggling to find any food for them. So why has God created each of these individual people in each of these nations, ethnic groups? God has created every single one of them, including you, right where you're sitting, me and Hajira, Tahil, Amir, Aliyah, all to enjoy Him. Psalm 67, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. That's what God has created all the peoples, all the nations for, for gladness, for joy in him. And specifically, joy in exalting him. So keep going in Psalm 67, let the peoples, the nations, the people groups praise you. Oh God, let all the peoples praise you. God creates all people and all nations in his image to enjoy him and to exalt him in all of his glory. But this is what God is about. Psalm 46.10, I am God and I will be exalted among all the nations. Psalm 96, sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory, what? Among the nations, his marvelous works, where? Among all, all the peoples. So what is God's glory? Picture the sum of who he is and all the marvelous works he does among all the peoples, all the nations, and all the earth. And the ultimate purpose of God is to bring people from all the nations, including you and me and Hajira from Afghanistan and Tahil from Somalia and Amir and Aliyah from Yemen and men and women and children from 17,000 distinct people groups in the world, all to enjoy and exalt him in all of his glory. This is what God is about. This is why God creates all people in all nations. But the Bible and all of history testify to the fact that all people in all nations, including you and me and every other person among 7.75 billion people, all people in all nations have sinned against God. 
and fallen short of his glory. That's straight from Romans chapter three, verse 23. It's evident from the very beginning of the Bible. Think Genesis chapter three. Now the servant was more crafty than any other beast of the field the Lord God had made. So this is the entrance of sin into the world. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that was a delight to the eyes, that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. And the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. This is the first picture of sin we see in the world. And what we see here in this story, that's why I wanted to read the whole thing because this story marks the stories of 7.75 billion people in the world, including you and me. All people in all nations have done what we have just seen here, have questioned God's word, assuming we are wiser than God himself. All people in all nations have denied God's goodness, believing that we know better than God what is good for our lives. And all people in all nations have rebelled against God's authority. Think about it. Everything in all creation, the stars, the wind, the waves, trees, mountains, they all respond in obedience to the Creator's bidding. And only the people made in the image of God have the audacity to look God in the face and say, no. Which leads to the consequences of sin on earth. God made very clear in Genesis chapter 2 that the consequence of sin would be death. That's exactly what plays out in Genesis chapter three. Romans five tells us sin came into the world through one man, death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Now specifically, so for the first time in Genesis chapter three, and then in all of history thereafter, we see spiritual enmity and evil. So we see the effects of spiritual rebellion against God. At the same time, we see physical toil and trouble, physical pain and work and bearing children and these things that were designed by God to be blessings. So we see spiritual consequences and physical consequences of sin, which hold on to that in your mind as we walk through tonight. So spiritual consequences, physical consequences that lead to relational consequences, conflict with one another as men and women made in the image of God, and ultimately condemnation before God as man and woman are cast out of the Garden of Eden. And these consequences of sin on earth lead to consequences of sin in eternity, which I would describe as twofold. So the first is eventual physical death here. Keep in mind, physical death was not a part of God's original design. Physical death like we see and experience and mourn in this world was a result from the very beginning of sin in the world. And it's so sobering to read the Bible and just five chapters in, as a result of sin, right after we read a recounting of God giving life to men and women, we see over and over again one refrain, refrain and he died, and he died, and he died. So all throughout Genesis chapter five, sin resulted in eventual physical death here and sin results in eternal spiritual death in hell. So fast forward to the end of the Bible, 
and you see all people standing before God as judge, and all people who have not trusted in Jesus as their life are thrown into an eternal lake of fire. We'll talk about that more as the night goes on, but the message of the Bible is clear. All people and all nations have sinned against God. All people will physically die here on this earth, and all people deserve eternal spiritual death in hell. Yet here is the good news, the gospel. God so loved the world that he gave his son to redeem and restore and reconcile people from all nations to himself for eternal life. Let's unpack that. God so loved the world. God is love. God loves the whole world, including all 7.75 billion people in it. God loves them all, knows them all, loves them all. Second Peter chapter three, verse nine, God wishes that all would trust in his love for them. God so loved the world that he gave his son, Jesus, as a ransom for all. God gave Jesus to redeem. That word means to, to pay the price for. God sent Jesus to pay the price for our sins so that we might be restored to God and to the life that God has created us for. God sent Jesus to reconcile people from all nations to himself. You look at Revelation chapter five in your notes, talking about Jesus, so follow the language. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for by you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God. Watch this, from every tribe and language and people and nation. Do you see it? Jesus died to ransom, to redeem people for God from every tribe, language, people, and nation for eternal life. That they might be with him forever in a new heaven and a new earth. And here's the reality. Mark it down. Bank your life on this. God's ultimate purpose will one day be fulfilled. People from all nations will enjoy and exalt him in all of his glory for all of eternity. This is Revelation chapter 7. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every, follow the language, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, cried out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Do you see it? And then you keep going about two-thirds of the way through that passage. They are before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Yes, all people from all nations enjoying and exalting God in all of his glory. Let's look at the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22. It's the first time we see the tree of life since man and woman were cast out of the garden in Genesis 3. And now it's back. Watch this. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life. So there it is, like circle that, underline that, with its 12 kinds of fruit yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. For the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed 
for the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light or of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. We will see his face. And who's the we here? It's men and women from every tribe and language and people and nation will see his face and enjoy his light forever and ever. This is the greatest news. Thank you for listening. You can find more episodes from Secret Church and thousands of other free resources at Radical.net.